We're beginning a new series this weekend and for several weeks. We're going to be on this subject, Built to Last. Now, you see a wall construction behind me, and we're not talking about how to build a house. I'm going to talk to you about how to build a home. But we're going to use the analogy of a built-to-last house. And from that, we're going to talk about a built-to-last home. That speaks to us as parents. It speaks to us as, as family members. It speaks to us as, as spouses. How to have a built-to-last marriage. How to have a built-to-last home. How to have the family God intends. Every one of us, the marriage we have, the family we have, God intends for it to be strengthened. Now, families today in America, they come in all shapes and all sides. We have the nuclear family. We have the single family. We have the broken family, the divorced family. We have foster care, adoptees, uh, blended family. There's all kinds. And there are unique challenges in the American home. Someone said their family uh, was temperamental. Half temper and half mental. I, I don't know what yours is. <laughs> I don't know what your condition is. But there are challenges we face today in the American family. For example, we know, and we've heard this before, that half of all marriages in the United States end up in divorce. So, so what, what about second marriages? Do you know that divorce rate in a second marriage is 70%? Practice doesn't make perfect. So some have said, well, I'm not going to marry, I'm going to cohabitate, going to live together because I've seen so many failed marriages. Do you know the highest rate of, of divorces today in America are among couples who cohabitated before they got married? I, I, I can tell you, both God's Word teaches us and sociologists are telling the most dangerous thing you can do for a marriage is to live together before marriage. I pastored for some 30 years. I've watched couples, they meet each other, they fall in love. They'll come to my office, Pastor, we want to get married. I'll schedule a day. They'll come forward, we'll go through the vows, they'll say, I do, they'll walk out, they'll go on their honeymoon, thinking, wow, wonderful, God's going to just do great things with them. And sadly, I, I've seen that same couple come back to my office and tell me that they're, they're contemplating divorce or have already determined and contacted a lawyer for divorce. And my question is, how, how do you go from a warm I do to a, a tearful I quit? How do you go from as long as we both shall live in, in the ceremony to the point in the marriage where you say, I can't do this any longer? How do we get there? Somehow we're missing something. And in the next few weeks, we're going to talk about family and marriage built to last. A built-to-last marriage. How to construct a family and a home that will survive the challenges that we face today. With that in mind, I want you to go with me to Psalm chapter 127. Now, this is not the only verse we're going to read, but I'm going to start off with this verse. Psalm 127, verse number 1. Unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. Now, the Scripture is not using poetic redundancy when it mentions building twice. Capture this. God builds the house, but the laborers build also. God builds the house, 
But the laborers, the family members, have to do building as well. We don't drift into a happy marriage. I've heard people say, why is it that God let my marriage fail? God did not let your marriage fail. God will give you the, the framework, the principles, the truth to have a built-to-last marriage. But we as the laborers, we as the family, husband, wife, we as parents, we've got to do some building too. And sometimes we think if God's in it, he'll just make it easy, quick, and uh, it, it won't have any struggle to it. The Scripture tells us God does some building but you and I also have to do some building. If we're going to have a built-to-last marriage, it takes more than just to have a Christian ceremony. We need to have a Christian marriage. Now, both with a house construction and with a home, there are a couple very important things that are required, and they'll make sense to us. First is quality materials and quality workmanship. If you're going to build a house, a structure, a home, you want quality materials, but you also need quality workmanship. Can I suggest to us the same is true of a marriage? You have to have quality materials and quality workmanship. Let's talk about the quality materials for just a moment in a marriage. What, what does it take to have? What do you mean by quality materials? Well, let, let me just mention one. Now, I'm going to share a lot more through the course of this series, but let me just talk about this today. One material, it's a fragile material. There's a fragile material many of us are using in our marriage. Just like you have to have two-by-fours in the wall and not cardboard. You, know, you put puppies in a cardboard box, but you need to have, have two-by-four walls in a home where people are living. You have to have quality materials and that is we have the fragile material of infatuation today in too many marriages. What's infatuation? Infatuation is that early stage when you meet them and, and they just, they're wonderful. They can do nothing wrong. They're the, the most wonderful. Everything they say is funny. Everything about them is wonderful. You, you, have, you feel like you have so much in common. And truly love is blind. And about 18 months you begin to see the real them. Okay? Do you know what studies have been done on infatuation? And they tell us infatuation lasts about 18 to 24 months. In about 18 to 24 months, if the relationship has not advanced beyond infatuation, you're going to get very discontented with that person. And we're having the fragile material of infatuation. We feel like we have to have that early infatuation feeling all the time. It's kind of like Disney. You know in fantasy land... Every girl is a princess and every guy is a prince in fantasy land, infatuation land. Let me tell you, young lady, single young lady, you're thinking about marriage, you're planning a marriage, you're wanting to meet that person. Let me, let me just speak to you for a moment about infatuation. Can I tell you, every prince will turn to a frog in 18 months. Okay? They, we all become frogs in 18 or 24 months. What do you need? you got to move beyond that. you got to move beyond that. Infatuation is a fragile material. There's another kind of material, and that is warped material. Oh, you don't want to build a home with warped material. You don't want leaning walls. 
If you have warped material, then doors don't close, cabinets don't close right. If it's warped, it will never be right. And some of us, sadly, we have some warped material we're using. Warped material. What do you mean? In marriage today, or excuse me, in homes today, there's this feeling of cohabitation. Can I tell you, that's a, that's a warped idea. I've already told you. Uh, sociologists inform us the highest rate is among cohabitation. It'll, that, that, that's almost setting yourself up for failure. And I've watched couples, they, they, they're living together, they're maybe afraid of marriage, they come together, they live together, and then they come to Christ. They come to the Lord, they start coming to church. They're living together. Can I tell you, God's way is that couples live together only under the sacred bond of marriage. It's what this Bible teaches us. Because God wants to set you up for success and you can't have God's blessing your way. You've got to do it God's way. And they're living together. And what do you do? You get married. You get just bring it under the covering of God's blessing. You say, well, is it wrong that we did? Well, can I tell you, God forgives. God will make right. It's a part of all of our past, our past sin, that God forgives and washes away. Make the relationship right. And I've heard some ladies say, I've asked him. We're coming to church. I've asked him, do you get married? He won't get married. I want, I want to get married, but he won't get married. Pastor, what do I do? I'll give you advice in the words of the sacred hymn. Hit the road, Jack. Are you with me? That's what you do. Choose to follow God and don't live in disobedience to God's Word. Always have the right materials. And then, of course, there's quality workmanship. And some of us, were in a marriage, and God wants to bless your marriage. You have the right materials. You're married. You did it right. You're, you're together as a couple. You have, you have the materials to make it work, but you have to have workmanship, the right way. You know what? You can install quality, expensive materials unlevel. You can, it, you, you can install it wrong. You can install quality cabinets crooked. You can hang doors that are very expensive, solid oak doors crooked, and they, they won't close correctly. So it's not enough to have the right materials. You have to have the right workmanship. You have to do it God's way. You have to follow what God says for us. You have to have the right workmanship. That's what I want to challenge it. Let's do it God's way. And I'm going to make a transition right now in the message. And for the next few moments, I'm going to talk about a subject that relates to every one of us in this house, whether you're married or not married. Single, been married a few years, doesn't matter. This is going to relate to every one of us in the house. And in just a moment, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call the worship team out, and they're going to minister a song, and we're going to go into an altar moment. And I'm going to ask no one leave, stay with us. I'll have a formal dismissal. But I believe the Holy Spirit is going to bring deep healing to many people into this house right now. The Holy Spirit has you on His agenda today, and He's going to bring healing. And this song is going to minister to you, and the prayer moment afterwards is going to liberate you because I want to talk to you for a moment about generational brokenness. My wife occasionally will watch the fixer-up programs and 
uh, houses. And before they start the construction, here's what they do. They go in and they tear out the old, the warped, the stained, the, the broken. They take all the materials and they haul it out of the house and put it in a dumpster before they begin to build the new and the strong. And that's what God wants to do. Some of us are carrying generational brokenness. What do you mean by that? Some people call it generational curses. I don't like the word curse because it always feels permanent. Uh, It was sometimes called family dysfunction, dysfunctional family. I'm going to call it generational brokenness. Some of us were raised in a home where there was a long history of brokenness, many divorces. It goes back generation after generation where there was divorce and multiple divorces. Some of us were raised in home where, where marital infidelity was, was just accepted and sometimes excused and wasn't talked about, but everybody knew it was going on. Some of us were raised in home where there was an alcoholic, and, and that brings a, a dynamic, and that brings a, a conflict in the home that is unique and has a lot of impact and consequences in family members. Some, it was abuse. Some of you ladies have been in a house where there was abuse and, and it has affected you. It, 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 has, it has, in the words of one author, he called them invisible birthmarks. Invisible birthmarks that we carry in our life, in our heart. Oh, maybe you, maybe you don't practice that. Maybe you don't follow that. But, but the memory of it and the, the impression of it and, the, and the, the scar tissue of that is still in your heart. You still carry some of that because there's, there's some family gatherings you don't go to. There's some people whose name, that, that just if you ever hear that person's name in a workplace, there's just something about the mention of that person's name. It races back and takes you to a moment that is so painful in your past. It's generational brokenness. And while you may not have continued in that brokenness, it has shown up in your life in the area of being closed up, the inability to share your feelings freely. For some of us, it's insecurity. Yes, if you've been in an alcoholic home and when there was fights and rage and things were going on and sent the kids to the other room so you didn't see and hear, but you heard and you knew what was going on. You go to the room and you don't say anything. And you go to sleep that night and you wake up the next morning at the breakfast table. Nobody talks about it. And you grew up learning to not share your feelings, not ask questions, and and to shut down your feelings. There's things you don't talk about. And now you're in a marriage and you're in a family and you, there's so much inside of you, but you don't have the ability to express it. You don't, you don't have a way to talk about it. It just feels inappropriate. You say, that's not me. I, I just can't. I feel so much. I've talked to men so many times. They say, I feel this about my wife and I feel, have you ever told her? No, no, I, I, I want to. I want to so bad, but I just, I just don't know how to tell her. Invisible birthmarks that we carry in our life. Generational brokenness. In just a moment, I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit to free you. I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit to set you free. And I want to share with you very briefly three keys for freedom from generational brokenness. Number one, three keys from generational brokenness, and they're found in 1 Peter chapter 1. Verse number 18, it says, For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver and gold 
that you were redeemed from, the empty way of life handed to you from your ancestors, from the dysfunctional life handed to you by your ancestors. You're not set free by gold. A new house won't set you free. A new car won't set you free. You're not going to be set free. How are you set free? Verse number 9, but by the precious blood of Christ as a lamb without blemish. And in just a moment, I'm going to pray that God's going to set you free. You don't need a new house. You don't need a new car. You don't need an expensive vacation to feel better about the marriage. You need, to, you need to be set free from generational brokenness. Three things. Number one, number one. Identify unhealthy tendencies by honesty. We identify unhealthy tendencies by honesty. Psalm 51.6 tells us this. Behold, Lord, you delight in truth in the inward being. What is it? David. David was harboring something in his life, something he did not want to talk about. And he would try to write songs and he would try to sing songs, but he was never effective. He could go through the motions, but he could never be set free. And finally, in Psalm chapter 51, he realized something. God, you want me to be honest, and I have to identify truth in the inward parts. Truth in the inward parts. You identify that that dysfunction, that generational brokenness, you identify it with honesty. God wants to set us free. There is a spiritual principle here. In order to get rid of it, you've got to own it. In order to get rid of it, you've got to own it. For as long as I'm excusing it, for as long as I'm saying it doesn't matter, when I, as long as I'm saying it's not a big deal, as long as I put it out, as long as I just, as long as I don't dealing with it, I will never be free from it. But when I get honest before God and I say, yes, it is, yes, I struggle, yes, it affects me, then I'm taking the first step to freedom. And we have all heard it said, honest confession is good for the so, yes, let me talk to us men for just a moment. Fellas, let me have your attention. Now, let me get in a very real area of life for us guys. Some of us guys, we struggle. Maybe you've never stepped across the line. Maybe you've never gone over there in unfaithfulness, in the marriage, or infidel. Maybe that's never been there. But you know what we do? We have wandering thoughts. And sometimes wondering eyes. We sit down at a restaurant. Our wife sits across the table for us or the booth. And we're on the other side. And we're reading the menu. And every young waitress that walks by, our eyes follow her and glance up and down. Your wife's talked to you about it. You say, no, I've never been unfaithful. No, I love you. No, I'm in her. You, you, how, do you, how, how can you distrust me? How can you? And we have used, we've never been honest but she has seen her eyes move. She has seen that. And because we're not willing to be honest, guess what? We harbor that. And I, I just, I want to say, guys, I want to say for all of us, we've got to learn to be honest. Just for example, Denise and I, Denise and I, do you know that, that Denise told me one time, and you're not going to believe this, she said, you know what? Sometimes you can be stubborn. I know you do not believe that. I know, I know. That you just, you're in chagrin here. I know it. And I said, no, I'm not stubborn. I'm just, I'm just, I just have, 
I just have intensity. I have strong convictions. <laughs> have you ever noticed we have ways of covering up our junk? But until I identified it, she couldn't help me. As long as I excused it, as long as I said, no, 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 don't have a problem. No, 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 I'm not stubborn. You, you, you're just judgmental. And I, and I went through all the stuff we'd go through. But finally I had to say, you know what? Sometimes I can be stubborn. Then she could help me. Because when it came to the girls, I grew up with brothers. I had two daughters. And she would say to me sometimes, you need to let me handle this one. And because I could identify it, she could help me. And fellas, everyone, if we will identify it through honesty, that's the first step to finding freedom. The Scripture talks about about truth on the inward being. The deepest part of us, truth. And I think the Holy Spirit is identifying things in our hearts right now. You don't have to go on social media and splash it. No, don't, don't do that. The Holy Spirit's going to help you in just a moment. Number two, not only identify it through honesty, you release it through repentance. You release unhealthy tendencies through repentance. Notice 2 Corinthians 7 and 10. Godly sorrow brings repentance. That leads to salvation, leaves no regret, but worldly sorrow brings death. Hold on a minute. Let me, let me tell you what that is telling us. It's teaching us that we, that we release unhealthy tendencies by repentance. Sorrow brings repentance. And the mistake some of us are making right now is that we're sorry. We've apologized. We've apologized. Oh, forgive me for that. We've said over tearful moments at the dinner table or in the living room late at night, we've made apology to our spouse. But guess what? Six months later, it comes up again, and there's tension tearing us apart, and the hearts are wounded, and there's words that are said, and the, the marriage is fractured by that, that experience. Why? Because you've been sorry. Honest, honest apologies. Sincere sorrow. But you see, sorrow brings us to repentance. It doesn't replace repentance. Sorrow is how we is how we erase it. Honesty is how we face it. If you'll face it, God will help you erase it. But if we're sorry, and there's been moments we've apologized and our hearts have been broken at that moment, and sincerely so, but, but sorrow is always mental and emotional. It's when you say, I know I did it. I know I wish I hadn't. I'm sorry. It's mentally you're there and emotionally there. But it takes repentance to bring you spiritually there. And that's why it keeps coming up every six months or every 12 months or whatever. The, these cycles that you get into because we deal with it on a sorrow, on a mental and emotional level. And we don't go into the spirit being, which is the part of us. It's that inner core being that just out of us, the scripture says, flow all the issues of life. Things that keep coming in your life over and over again and you can't break the cycle. It's not an emotional only and it's not a mental only. The Bible tells me it's a spiritual because out of the spirit flow all the issues of life and the only way to get it out of our spirit is through repentance you see repentance is god's stain remover for the soul yes and some of us 
it's just not a memory you have. Your spirit has been stained by something, the invisible birthmarks of the past. You were told as a, as a, as a little girl you're ugly, and you've never got out of that, and you have so craved the attention of men that has put you in unhealthy relationships because somebody put an invisible birthmark upon you. Yeah, you had a dad that screamed at you, so you shut down and you carry that anger and you have been trained. The way to get your way is just elevate the anger and the hostility in the home. Invisible birthmarks. You want to change it. You know it's not right. Why do we keep repeating it? Because it's just not an emotional and mental thing. It's a spiritual thing. We need to be free. Now, psychologists told you you need to come to a moment and have closure. The Bible doesn't talk about closure. The Bible talks about cleansing. Cleansing. And repentance. Repentance is God's spot remover for the spirit. It's how we get it out. You say, but wait a minute, Pastor. I didn't cause it. My, that, that's my, my parents did that to me. Why, why should I repent of that? Sometimes repentance is not just for the stuff we're responsible for, but the stuff that has got into our life and we have, we have normalized. And it hides in our pride. And it hides in our resistance. And it, it hides in our defensiveness. And God wants to set you free. In just a moment, the Holy Spirit is going to do that for many people in this room. You're going to have a Holy Spirit moment. And it's going to free you from that. Just ask God, God, forgive me for allowing. God, forgive me for, for uh, somehow if I've opened a door and allowed that to come in. And the anger that has held on and trying to repay that and punish somebody else for that. He'll set you free. And thirdly, thirdly, not only... Not only through honesty and repentance, we change unhealthy tendencies by growth. We change unhealthy tendencies by growth. Second Peter chapter three, verse seventeen and eighteen. Uh, I'm, I'm going to read this slowly because it's 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 worth grasping. It says, therefore, be on guard so that you may not fall from the secure position. Let me, let me re- be on guard that you don't become like your parents. Be on guard that you don't, become, you don't be react to the, to, the, to the experience you had. Be on guard that you don't lose your marriage. Be on guard that your defensiveness doesn't drive your kids away. The demandingness as a parent can drive them away when they get in the years of adolescence. Be careful that you don't do that. Be careful you don't fall to that the very thing you want is hold on to your family, that you push the boy. Be on guard that you don't lose your home, your family. How do we do that? How do we guard against losing our family? He tells us the very next verse, but grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. You see, repentance without growth always leads to relapse. That's some of us in this room. You have come down to the prayer team before and you've honestly and sincerely have repented and say, God, forgive me. And guess what? You go back to it six months later. Why does it keep showing up? Even when you've repeated it, excuse me, repented from it because there's been no growth. Men that never got in a men's group, families that don't get in life group, they're just, oh God, forgive me, but 
There's no strength. There's no, there's no method. There's no discipleship in their life to create a new pattern. You see, if you're not creating new patterns, you will always go back to old patterns. That, that happens to us. And we, we change unhealthy tendencies by growth. Growth is when I allow God and I allow His Word and I cooperate with the Holy Spirit and truth comes in. And sometimes it goes against my grain, against my personality. Stubborn? No, I'm not stubborn. Yeah, God, I am. Yeah, there's times. There's times I am. Well, well, why is it that? Why is it? Why, why is it that I do that? God, forgive me. I identify it. God, I repent. And then, God, I've got to change that. If I don't grow, I'm going to keep making that same mistake. And I, don't want, I didn't want to drive my two daughters from me. And I didn't want that to be an issue between Denise and I. So I, I had to get on a growth path. God intends that your family, your marriage, be built to last. And right before I call the team in, and the Holy Spirit's going to minister to us. After this song, we'll come back. We'll have a. It's just going to have to be a God show up moment. And I believe He's going to do it. I want to tell you. I want to tell you about my grandson. My my grandson Aiden. Oh, his grandson. He's my bud. About a year and a half ago, I took him fishing for the very first time. His very first fishing trip. We went out. Uh, we rented uh, fishing poles and. Uh, I bought him a tackle box, so we put a few things in the tackle box so he could have his own. Our lunch box was much bigger. I'm telling you, we were going to eat good whether we caught anything. We went out, we had a great time. I did discover that day that he likes catching fish more than he likes fishing. I mean, if we're catching, he's into it, man. Come on, Papa, help me. And I would hold the pole and I'd let him reel them in. And, but if it, they're not biting, he's kind of... He's kind of distracted. But it was a lot of fun to see. I was there when he caught his very first catfish. And he picked it up. Wow, Papa, it's giant. And we put it on a stringer and we caught a few more. We had a great time. After we got, got the string of catfish there, and we took a picture together so we would always have that memory together. Then we loaded up and we went back home and on the way home he said i'm going to tell my mom my dad i i'm going to tell them all i said that's wonderful aiden you did great yeah you did great went there i told him i said we get on grandma she's in a couple days she's going to cook all that that uh that fish up and everybody can come over and eat the fish you caught they're going to love the fish you caught we just we were just going to have, we were going to milk all of it. We got back to the house. He told mom and dad, they said, way to go, bud. We're proud of you. He was grubby. And they said, go up there and get cleaned up. Go take a bath. And I took the fish. We put it in the freezer. And there it was. And about three days later, about three days later, something occurred in their home. My grandson's home. My, my daughter and son-in-law told us but they woke wake up about three days later and there is a foul stench uh, a foul gruesome pungent smell throughout the whole house they don't know where it's coming from 
It's in every hallway. It's in the kitchen. It's, that, it's in every bedroom. It's in the living. It's, through, it's not how they... What is it? The moment they woke up, they knew something had occurred. They asked the kids, what had happened? Aiden starts crying. They assure him, you're not going to get in trouble. Tell us what happened. And then he fessed up. I didn't know it. He took one of the fish and put in his pocket to take home. He snuck it in the house and put it with the toys. So daily when no one was looking, he was taking his toys out in the fish and he was playing with his toys and that fish. And it was all right for a couple days. But about the third day... The smell of that fish filled their entire house. And he was hiding and he snuck it in there. I wonder. I wonder if there are not people here today. There's something from the past that is spoiling and affecting everything in your family right now. The experience of the past the generational brokenness the mistake of the past is it affecting your communication with your kids is it affecting the communication with your spouse does it affect your your intimacy with your spouse does it affect the way you communicate and you relate is it causing bouts of anger and and season of of estrangement where you withdraw and you pull away from each other and you can't express it and there's tension in the air. Has it caused you to feel like sometimes you feel better when you're away from the home than when you're at home? Is there something that you carried and now it's spoiled? It's toxic. It's affecting you. It's affecting your family. And maybe the word divorce is being used, if not used, at least being contemplated. But that's not what God intends. And God wants to set you free. The person you want to be, somehow you feel like you can't be that person. Is it time to identify it, repent, and change it, release it? The Holy Spirit wants to help you. And across this audience right now, I'm going to ask you to Just bow your hearts in a prayer as we set up this moment. And I believe this song is from the Holy Spirit. And I believe it's going to be a prophetic word to people because God wants to help you. Father, right now there are people that in their mind and heart, they've gone back. They've identified a memory has come back. Maybe even something they haven't really shared with their spouse or best friend. And they don't need to. The Holy Spirit has identified it. There's some of us that are carrying the invisible birthmarks of of a dysfunctional way we were raised, generational brokenness. But the good news is we're redeemed, not with anything we can do on our own. We're redeemed by the precious blood of Christ as a lamb without blemish. Oh, God that the Holy Spirit would come in this moment right now and in a very personal and a very 
in a very pointed way identify and help us to release it unto you to set us free in Jesus name Amen
you to stand together with me if you would and would you just for a moment bow your hearts and I'm just going to let the Holy Spirit for a moment do what only he can do the Holy Spirit can do things that no one else can do for us the Holy Spirit he does heart surgery <laughs> he does heart surgery and he can break the chains. And there are people in this room you thought you can never be free. Let me, let, let me be discreet. But there's ladies in this room. There, there's abuse and assault in your past. Maybe you've never told anyone. But when you turn the lights out at night, it's still the memories and the thought and the feelings. And sometimes just a touch on the shoulder can can evoke an experience in your spirit and you, you, you don't feel free you, you, there's, there's that invisible mark that still somehow you carry it in your spirit the Holy Spirit can free you it's, it's found in the, the precious blood of Christ He can free you from that in the balcony some of, us, some of us have come in and we've kept God at a distance we're blaming God for something how we were raised if, if God was really good then why was this allowed to happen to me God's good it doesn't excuse the wrong that was done to you but God wants to heal your heart from the wounds that you carry Father I just pray across this room I just ask the Holy Spirit to come in I ask the Holy Spirit to do the work that only He can do he can cleanse memories. Some are looking for closure in God. What you want to do is bring freedom. You want to set them free from that moment and that experience and that pattern that's been in their life. There are men here for the first time. They've got honest. They've identified something in their life. And right now they're asking God to forgive them. They're applying repentance and I ask you, God, in the name of Jesus, to cleanse their mind, their hearts, and their emotions. Cleanse them, God. Set their personalities free from that, from that restriction and that, that habit and that way. Oh, God, in the name of Jesus, we call them. We call your people to know the freedom. For everyone that's had a making new moment, God, you intend for them to have a making great path. And we call your people into that. And Holy Spirit, that you will just make this moment so personal and so real. Thank you. Thank you, God. Thank you, Holy Spirit.